People always want to know what it's like to be me. How does it feel to see a dead body? Tell a family their loved one has been murdered. Talk to a rape victim. Catch a killer. And get them to confess. Hold on tight, my friends. Get ready for the journey. And welcome to Murder with Menina. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Murder with Menina. Thank you for the nice comments. I don't think I've shared um, with you, Colleen. I got a few saying they really enjoyed it. The cases are intriguing, so we appreciate that. And please keep sending ones that you want us to talk about um, and get out there if you have any. So, um, But, of course, here we are again talking about another mass, shoot, mass shooting at a school in Nashville. And uh, before we talk about that a little bit, I want to say I want to give a huge shout-out to the Nashville Police Department because uh, one of the positive things that's happening from these horrible tragedies is that police departments are training a lot more on how to handle these and they're reacting a lot quicker. And from the time that the call came in um, that there was a shooting at the school, it took them 14 minutes um, to kill the shooter. So um, that's a huge... Oh, that is impressive. Yeah, in the video. That's so impressive. Yeah, the video and, and the officer's... You see a little bit of the video and you're seeing kind of how they're tactically going into the school and going up and down steps. And, you know, you can practice that all day long and you're never going to be able to practice it enough to be 100 percent safe. And, you know, that's that's the heart of police officers that can train and train and train, knowing that today could be the day that their life you know, was in. And all those officers that went in there, um, you know, had one thing on their mind that there's babies and children and things in the school needed to get in there. So a huge shout out uh, to the Nashville Police Department and the way that they uh, responded and, and did their jobs um, completely. So I just wanted to say that. And of course, again, I don't know how many times we have to say prayers to the victims, prayers to the families, three children, three administrators, along, uh, a custodian was involved. And it's just super sad. I'm just I'm heart sick over it. Well, the statistics are incredibly alarming. Yeah. We're three months into this year, and at least eighty there have been at least eighty nine shootings that have happened on school yeah. grounds nationwide. Yeah, and this yeah, year and we're up to the past. Three I think one hundred and twenty two mass shootings this year, and we're in March, and so that's just nuts. Yeah, and like I, I say, you know, a lot is that. You know, and I've learned this throughout my career that if someone decides that they want to do something, there isn't really anything that you can do to stop it. And in this particular um, incident with the shooting, the shooter had it very well planned out, had maps of the school, did surveillance. It wasn't a I'm upset, quick reaction type of thing. It was very well planned out, and you're not going to be able to to prevent that. Now, of course, there was no security at the school uh, because they didn't think that they needed one. It was a church, a church school. Um, but you know, so when you look at these shootings and things and, uh, but this was very well planned out. So as well as it was planned out again, kudos to the police department that ended it within 14 minutes. Although Chris, the people in her life may have noticed that something's off. The shooter identified as a transgender and she was a former student at the school you know, the motive has is not determined, or at least has not been announced. However, she, they do think that perhaps she resented having to attend the Christian school. I mean, it seems like those kinds of things, they're not 
completely dormant until something like that happens, right? Right. No, it's not completely dormant. Yeah, no, my point was just that when somebody decides that they're going to do something, you know, you're it, like she she shot through a locked door, you know. And so, uh, but the training you can see and the response time is improving and we're learning, you know, as law enforcement officials that, you you know, you've got to get in there quick and you can't sit outside and wait for SWAT. Because, see, that used to be the old thing. You would have a major incident and you're first line of response of officers would call for the SWAT team. We just kind of sit outside and wait. And that's, you can't do that shit anymore. Anyways, I just wanted to bring that up. So, but I do want to talk about this unsolved case. Um, She was 12 years old and her name was Sherry Lynn Marler. And she has been missing since June 6th of 1984 from Greenville, Alabama. Um, She was, she is, yeah, a long time ago. She is a white female. It was 5'4 at the time with brown hair and weighed between 100 and 120 pounds. Um, she had a one-inch scar um, near her shoulder. And she was last seen wearing a long sleeve flannel shirt, faded jeans, gray sneakers um, with Velcro, and a black band watch. Um, she was described as a tomboy who loved Kenny Rogers and farming. She had a nickname of Little Farmer. At the time of her disappearance, she had both uh, baby and adult teeth in two fillings, which, of course, is important, right, Um, to know that information. Um, She lived in Greenville, and that was only a population of a little over 7,500. One of the most important things to do, and I like to talk about this as an investigator with a missing and cold case, is to lock down the timeline as solid as as you possibly can. And I've been tell my friends when they're trying to figure out if their significant other is cheating or lock down the timeline. That's so important. It gives you such valuable information. Um, and it's just super, super important, especially when we're talking about cold cases and missing people. So, um, the timeline starts like this. Sherry was asleep on the couch because her stepdad's aunt was in town visiting um, for the week. So she gave up her bed, um, to her. Sherry's mother was up early that day because she had a shift at the Waffle House that started at 7 a.m. A little after 9 a.m., Sherry ran out of the house as her stepdad was leaving to run errands. Um, She was really, really excited to go with them, and and she did that a lot. She would run errands with him. Um, So they were both seen around 9.30 in the morning. Um, The first was was at the First National Bank. Her stepdad had to sign some papers, so Sherry um, told him that she was thirsty, so he gave her a dollar and had her go over to the gas station to get a drink, and the gas station was just across the street from the bank. Witnesses said they did see Sherry walking toward the gas station. Um, So right now, based on all that, you know, the timeline seems pretty reasonable and solid. Uh, Fifteen minutes later, her stepdad, uh, Raymond, was done at the bank and went out to his truck. He was surprised that she wasn't there. Twenty-five minutes later passed. He started to become a little bit more panicky about it um, and started looking for her at the gas station and the local stores. uh, But no one had seen her. He then phones her mom at the Waffle House, um, but she wasn't there as well. So he's he's hunting around, and what's kind of crazy is at that point, no one had seen her. 
Um, so at around 11.45 in the morning, she was officially re- reported missing. Um, so a couple hours after that, she was officially reported missing, which means that police were um, called and they, after getting the information from stepdad, they officially made a, a police report. So that's what that means when they say officially reported missing. So a massive search started. Volunteers came out um, in droves and combed the town. Um, a, this is interesting. A local flying service conducted an aerial search as well. So that's nice. They had a bunch of volunteers coming out, and then a local uh, flying service did a whole aerial thing. You don't hear that happening very often, so that was kind of cool. Missing persons posters were made and uh, plastered everywhere around town. Um, No one has heard or seen from her since then. She would be um, in her 50s today. And um, if you look her up and you Google her, you'll see progression, um, age progression photos of her. So obviously, you know, as good investigators, and it, and it sounded like they did a pretty good job of trying to investigate this, they looked, fam- they looked at family very closely, and it, and it appeared, you know, at least at this point in time, that they had eliminated everyone. Evidently, several people have been questioned, and hardly any information has come in over the years in reference to that case. Like, hardly any tips, no information. Um, Raymond is her stepfather, um, was questioned first, which was good. Obviously he's the last one, um, that, you know, cause the bank have, you know, cameras and things and the last one physically seen, um, with her, uh, first he was, he was offered, but this is, this is interesting. He was offered a polygraph, but he refused to take it, which always just bothers me. Um, Sherry's mom, Betty, um, never believe that her husband had anything to do with her disappearance. Like to this day, does not believe at all that he was involved. I just hate it when they won't take the then take the polygraph. In an interview with Betty in 2013, um, in the hospital, stepdad was in the it was in the hospital in an intensive care, and um, he told her right before his death that he didn't know what happened to Sherry, saying, "I wish I could get out of this bed and bring her home to you." And to this day, she still um, doesn't believe for a second that he had anything to do with her um, being missing. But I go back to then, why don't you take the polygraph? Okay. It's, wow. When and why and why wouldn't he? What would be the reason that someone wouldn't take? I the mean, polygraph? you know, I, I, there's people that refuse to take the polygraph that didn't do it. I mean, they didn't do it. They just don't want. And one of the fears is is that they're afraid that it will show deception when they know they didn't do it, they're still, they're still afraid that deception could be shown, you know? And so that, that's kind of the couple things that I've had from people that I've wanted to have take polygraphs. They just said, no, nope, I don't believe in them, you know? And, and like I've said before, it's not something you can use in court. It's just a tool, but it would have been really, really helpful because now we'll never know. This case is, you know, unsolved. We'll never really know. Um, if he was involved and, and I think, you know, they cleared him, they cleared him. He was a person of interest, but they cleared him, you know, they don't think he's a suspect or they didn't have enough to believe that he was. Um, but it would just, you know, make me feel better at this point just to, and I'm sure the investigators too, that he, you know, would have taken it. Then it would have been like, Oh, okay, for sure. You know, because I think I believe in the polygraph. I mean, I, I believe in it. So, 
Um, but so a big question I'd like to know is the stop that is the stop dad left the the time that he left the bank was at nine thirty. Um, and I would, you know, did people see him between nine thirty and eleven thirty um, when she was officially reported missing to investigators? Did they see him actually out looking for her? Because if they did, fantastic. If they didn't, then maybe he killed her and and took her somewhere. That that would be the number one question because it sounds like it was a really small town. Like, what was his history? Did was there anything in his character or in his history that would uh, indicate that he had the potential to do something like that? Nothing that I could find. And and mom, um, you know, his wife believe you know didn't believe for a second. But you know, like always, there's still shady stuff. You know that that happens that never you know we don't we we never find so. Um, so two hours is a long time enough to kill him, to kill her and, bur- and bury her is exactly what I thought. Like, I would need to know who saw him. Okay. And like I said before, mom doesn't think that he is involved um, at all. So then it comes, you know, as investigators, it's like, okay, we've interviewed um, the stepdad. We've done a search. You know, we, we, we don't have any, anything else. And you got to ask the question, did she run away? Um, doesn't appear to be the case. Mom has always said that she was very happy and content and she had a birthday coming up and she had no reason to leave home. She had plans that day to visit her grandmother. She also had not taken any of her belongings with her that day. So there was no argument, no fight, you know, and, and mom's, you know, giving indication that there'd be no reason. Then of course, then you got to maybe ask yourself, okay, stranger abduction. It's always a possibility, but it's just still very rare. Always a possibility, but rare. Um, one thing but that mom, Chris, maybe a little less rare at a gas station since truckers and transients yeah. kind of pass through. I mean, still a crazy, wild coincidence that a predator would be there at the same at exact the same time, time. She just went over there to get something to drink. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. I just it's just so random. Well, and I've just gotten such tunnel vision on my in my career that I just very rarely rarely did I see random shit like I just almost don't believe in it like you know the, yeah when somebody wins the lottery absolutely somebody gets struck by lightning absolutely very random but in a in the world that I lived in for so long and still continue to live in I just you just don't see it very much however in the 80s in certain parts of the country, there were there was relatively a high concentration of serial killers. Yeah, right. I mean, you can't rule it out. Absolutely. One thing that mom pointed out that I thought was kind of interesting was that um, in 1994, vending machines um, was not giving would not take dollar bills. So she had to ask somebody at the gas station for change. And so she, as she's trying to figure out, you know, what happened, she kind of made that, you know, made that point and, and kind of what you're saying, you know, was she, was she, was it a crime of opportunity? Did she ask the wrong person for change for her dollar so that she could get a soda? Maybe not likely, but maybe. And, and that's the thing is like, you have to keep every every road open because you don't know. I mean, we don't really know. So there were three unconfirmed sightings. All three sightings said Sherry was with a man about 50 years old, 5'8". Um, and it's so crazy that they just link it unconfirmed. But 5'8", um, who looked husky and weathered, 
one of the witnesses said she heard her call him BJ. Um, what's crazy is all three witnesses said that Sherry looked dazed and disheveled. Those were the, the words that were used. Isn't that crazy? What time frame like, were these? Did witnesses? It, it did. I, I couldn't figure that out. I couldn't, but it was fairly close, but they didn't say. It wasn't that day, um, but just over the years. And like I said before. Very, and if they see a young girl looking dazed and disheveled, why did they not report I it? Why know. did they not call the cops and say something's off about right. this? And I got the license plate or this is where they are right you now. Know, following that's them a right whole now. other discussion. I don't know. It's just crazy. But that's a whole, the more people I talk to, because I'm intrigued by that, you know, would you get yourself involved? And they're like, no, the world is too dangerous. I'm not getting myself involved. It's all I can do to stay, keep safe myself and keep my children safe. I'm not stepping out of my comfort zone um, to help somebody else. And, and when you look at these cases and even, you know, with these unconfirmed sightings, you know, why didn't they call? Or why wasn't more it done? It is so hard to understand because I'm exactly the opposite. I, yeah, you know, 100% yeah. the opposite. I mean, even like so much as somebody driving erratically on the road, I don't want them to hit an innocent person. I'm going to make sure the cops get them. All right. So when we went up to 2018. The sheriff's office said that Sherry, um, I guess they learned this, that Sherry had stayed with her stepsister and her husband in the summer of 1983. Police had received a tip that she was spotted in that area after she was reported missing. Um, so that begs the question, were other family members involved? In 2019, this is interesting, this is somebody that got involved, a woman um, by the name of Ryan Welch post, posted on Sherry Lynn um, Marler's that she, that posted on a Facebook page that she was still missing and said the following. This lady who's been following this case and is just adamant, but she posts on the Facebook page that says Sherry Marler was murdered and dismembered by someone she knew very well. And then in parentheses, not her stepdad and thrown into a hog pen in Butler County. We believe the person is deceased. We believe um, there were one or two other people there, but were also better, but are also deceased. We strongly suspect that she was pregnant at the time. We believe she was a victim of a multiple family-based incest, like a pedophile ring that involved people from both Butler and Crenshaw counties. Um, she says that they unearthed a pig farm in 1984, and they said they have video footage of two separate cadavers, and, and, and they have video um Footage and two um, separate cadaver dog teams confirming hits on human remains. She she posted all this is on Facebook. It's kind of odd that she used that public forum for something so sinister and grisly and complicated and far fetched. Yeah, right. They discovered some clothing that was sent in for DNA, but none was found on the clothing. The woman. And the group of strangers have been um, relentless in finding her. Uh, Mom, you know, has fought hard to keep uh, Sherry's memory alive. In 2010, on the 26th anniversary of her disappearance, she opened Enterprise Restaurant. She opened an called it Enterprise Restaurant. She also joined Team Hope, a program created by the National Center for Missing and Exploited um, Children. Um, 
So if anybody has any information about this case, um, you can call the Greenville Police Department at 334-382-7461. I'd like to get a hold of the woman who posted on Facebook to find out where what are her what are her sources? Right. Right. I've already sent her a message. I just Has she posted about other cases? I mean, what's her character? Well, like? I think I found her on Messenger and, and sent a message, but I haven't heard back. But I think I think that I don't know. I think her intentions are good and I think that it probably didn't go any further. I mean, they did send it away. You know, authorities did send away for to see if there was DNA, you know, testing on the clothing and there wasn't. Um, so I think if there were, they would have dug a little bit deeper. But I mean, it's a possibility. But, you know, according to mom, um, this lady's, you know, not credible and, and, and things to that degree. And I can't figure out if mom, I think mom is still alive um, from the research that I did. But I haven't been able to really confirm it because she hasn't said much um, in a while. So I hate these cases are just so freaking hard. But I would really... I just, I would have to go back now and be like, who saw him between that 9.30 and 11.30 time? I have a problem. So there's two things I have a problem with. He didn't take a polygraph. And what was his alibi? Did people see him? Right. Yeah. What was his alibi? Where was he between 9.30 and 11.30? That's where I would start um, with it. But of course, he's now deceased. And and uh, yeah, that's just, it's just, it's just sad, right? And you're right. I mean, is it, is it a possibility at random? I guess right? Like you said, were they at that gas station at that exact time when she decided that she was thirsty and stepdad gave her a dollar to walk across the street to the gas station? I mean, is it It's possible? I mean, it's possible. Just, uh, it's just, I have such a hard time believing that sometimes, but I think you're right. In the eighties, it was a little bit of a different world and child abductions and things were a little bit more common. Um, then so anyways, that's, that's that it feels sad. <laughs> dealing with Nashville and looking at these cases. It just bums me out. <laughs> well, there's so many unsolved cases. However, there is the, you know, the positive aspect of the genealogy, you know, the case that you, the I-65 oh, yeah. killer. And like you keep saying, Chris, in the last few episodes, the forensics are getting so advanced and the genealogy is getting so advanced that soon we are coming to a, a time where it it may truly be impossible to get away with murder. So there's the, there's the bright side, right? I mean, well, and if we could couple, if we could seriously couple the advancement in forensics, the amount of people who love crime and love looking at these cases, if we could combine all of that with people who saw something that was a red flag, we could solve, we could solve a lot of cases. Well, just like you said, look, it, it happened in the teacher's pet. It happened in your own backyard. There's several, there's several, uh, suspects that have been, I mean, suspects, uh, killers that were convicted just last year because of podcasters, because of investigative journalists who started talking to people and asking yeah, and questions. Yeah, I encourage people if they say, if they see something, say something, because you just never know. That one tip Oh, that one tip blows things open. Um, and I just think that most, I, I, I just can't believe in my 26 years and in the crazy brain that I have that crimes occur that people, nobody in the world knows about. I just don't believe that. Somebody knows. Always, 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 always. So be that person. <laughs> be that person that steps up. Again, a good shout out to the National Police Department. Um 
for doing their job and doing it well. And again, prayers to the families. Ugh. Thanks everyone for listening. Um, and we'll see you next time on Murder with Menina. If you have a cold case you'd like Chris to review, submit it through our website at murderwithmenina.com and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Murder with Menina and Twitter at Murder W. Menina. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode of Murder with Menina.